Well, welcome, everybody. Everybody say, indeed. Indeed. Come on, one more time. Say, indeed. Around the tomb, the angels, when the disciples were there, they said, he is risen indeed. Will you just finish with me? He is risen. Come on, one more time. He is risen. Come on, say it loud. He is risen. Come on, give Jesus a big hand clap. Aren't you glad to be in church on Easter Sunday? Good to see everybody. Look at your neighbor. Say, you look extra cute this Easter. You look extra cute. Y'all look very nice. Some of you got some new hairdos. It looks really, really good. Really good. Hey, my name's Troy. My wife and I are the senior pastors here. In case you're new, we are one church, many different locations. We have services going down at South End. We have services at Lake Norman. And we are online all over the world. Peru, El Salvador, Florida, New Jersey, North Carolina, Georgia, Wisconsin, South Carolina. Give it up for all of our online streamers. We had some people from church that were viewing. They were on vacation. Shame on them. They should be at church, not on vacation. All the Christians stayed back and and celebrated Easter. Hit your neighbor. Say, I'm glad you're sitting beside me. I'm so glad. Hey, today I want to tell you a story that will change maybe the the way that you think about your life. It's a story I've never told before, a story that will bring encouragement to your life, your family. Also, it may bring some conviction to where you're at in your life. It's the story of the death of darkness. Now, how can we say that darkness is defeated? We see darkness all around us all the time, in our schools, on our college campuses. People feel lost, they feel hopeless, broken in pain. It feels like the darkness is deafening. But listen to what John said in John chapter one. He said, in him was life, and Jesus was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines. I love that. It's in the present tense. The light shines. It didn't shine in the past 2,000 years ago. No, that's, that light that Jesus was died for us, went to, went to hell for us, and now sits at the right hand of God, that light is still available even today that breaks the power of darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. One translation says the darkness cannot win. One translation says the darkness can't overtake it. One translation says that the darkness cannot comprehend it. Jesus' resurrection is the ultimate victory of the light for all who believe. Can we give Jesus one more hand clap? Come on, let's just thank him for that. Now, for, for the believer, darkness is this contrast or this conflict that makes the power of God even more real. Now, sadly, there's a lot of people that are still stuck in darkness, stuck in the shadows of false truth and, and life and being manipulated and controlled. You know, what the world calls woke, the Bible calls deception. I, um, if you know me, and some of you know me, some of you don't, I am not, I don't like camping. I don't know why people go camping. It makes no sense to me. Um, somebody sent me a picture last night and they had, a, they had, a, uh, they had Penny's book. She, she wrote a book on cooking. She's a great cook. And, and she wrote, a, and they put it in their camper, their RV. And she said, we put a little Freedom House. And I, I've texted back and said, this is probably the one and only time that Penny will be in an RV. 
and it's one of the few things that we actually agree on. So, I mean, we, we, we actually both disagree that you should drive around in your own house around the country. Now, I know you, some of you do that, very odd, but that would probably be another level of camping. There's a whole nother level that I don't like. I don't like going out in the woods unless you're gonna shoot something. Um, and, and I don't like in a tent. And, and I, I learned this because when I lived in Richmond, my friends, all of my, my buddies, one time a year we would go camping. And for some reason, we always pick the coldest day of the year to go camping. And if you experience this, for me, every time I would go, three o'clock in the morning, I'd have to go to the bathroom. And, you know, you're warm, finally, in your sleeping bag. And then you got to get out of the sleeping bag. You got to walk, you know. And, and what fascinated me, though, was we were out in the country. And when I would walk out of the tent, the sky was just lit up with lights. It was like, I mean, it was beautiful. It was so thick with stars that you could literally see your shadow in the middle of the darkest part of the night. What I love about God is he is always trying to get light into our life. You know, even Easter, if you think about it, Easter, the day that it's celebrated is what's called the vernal equinox. Now, December 21st is, is known as the winter solstice. It's actually the shortest amount of sunlight that happens in a day. You know, there's always 24 hours in a day, so it's not a shorter day. We just see less light. However, the, the vernal equinox begins when the daylight starts to overwhelm the darkness. Isn't it interesting that we celebrate Easter on the day that daylight starts to overwhelm darkness. That's what the resurrection of Jesus is all about. His birth, his life, his death, all the way down to every single detail of the, the whole story of the Bible, the beginning all the way to the end is about this overcoming darkness, overcoming sin, overcoming evil. Listen to Genesis chapter one, the book of beginnings. In the beginning, and I want you to notice this pattern. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering. This is what I love about this pattern. And you see this pattern over and over. The darker it gets, the more the Holy Spirit shows up. The darker it feels, the more the Holy Spirit shows up. Even on the, on the beginning of creation, darkness is there and the Holy Spirit is just hovering, waiting, anticipating his moment to move on that. And then the Bible says in verse two, then God said, you know, you know those four words, let there be light. Let there be light. And that's the pattern over and over again. The Holy Spirit's always a gentleman. He's never gonna go where he's not invited. And, the Holy, and, and God speaks this word. Now, I believe that this was a prophetic word. This wasn't just, and we know that it wasn't the sun, it wasn't the moon, it wasn't the stars. No, this was something prophetic that God, right from the very beginning, was speaking Jesus into existence. Let there be light. I think he was speaking you and me into existence because one day he, knew, he knows that we will be the carriers of that light, Jesus Christ. Darkness has no properties in itself. It's really the absence of life. You can't see darkness. 
You just feel the effects of it just like you felt a few minutes ago. Spiritual darkness, evil, is the absence of God. Now, spiritual darkness is different than natural darkness because spiritual darkness has a leader, the devil, Satan. He has a mission, he has an agenda, he has a plan, and he has a target. You're his target. Matter of fact, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, there's a bullseye on your back. He wants to take you out. He's gonna take you out any way he can. He wants you to live in darkness, never get out of darkness, to always be in that place where you're kind of feeling for the next step, wondering what's gonna happen, confused and manipulated, lied to, deceived. But God has a plan too. And I want you, I want you to hear this plan because you saw it in the video, but it started in the manger with the introduction of Jesus. So if you're taking notes, and I'd encourage you to take notes. I find if you take notes, you get into heaven faster. It's like, you know, fast pass at Disney World. You get right to the front of the line. When you get there, Peter's gonna say, where are your notes? And you're gonna pull them out and go, Pastor Troy told me to take some. He's gonna go, you go to the front of the line. (laughs) That's what's gonna happen. I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. All right, so anyway... (laughs) So write this down. The manger marked the day darkness was threatened. Think about it. Think about it. There's two times in the Bible where babies scared the devil. The first one was 3,500 years prior to Jesus being born, 3,000 years prior, when this guy named Moses was born. And Satan got a hold of Pharaoh, hardened his heart, and said, hey, you need to kill all the babies. You need to kill all the male children because there's one among them that's gonna be a deliverer. But you know, isn't it interesting that God snuck Moses into a little ark of, of bulrushes and, and put him in a little, in, on a river and had him float down, and guess where he was raised? In the house that was meant to kill him in the first place. I think God has a real good sense of humor. That's just like, ha ha, told you. And then, of course, we know Moses delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. The second baby, Jesus, the most important child that was born, threatened also this darkness, threatened Satan. And Satan got a hold of a man named Herod. And he said, I'm going to kill all the children under two years old. Think about that for a second. A political leader is so afraid of a baby because these men had heard about him listened and, and, and got connected to a few prophecies from thousands of years ago, traveled thousands of miles to a place they had never been for the purpose of ushering in this new king where this political leader says, I'm gonna kill him and kills all the children under the age of two. I would say that darkness was threatened, wouldn't you? And that's what light does. Light always threatens darkness because it exposes what the darkness is trying to hide. I think it was my third date with um, Penny. You know, we met in uh, college and, and I fell in love with her. She, you know, I was not a Christian. She was. She was, what, what, she was doing what's called missionary dating. I don't recommend it. You know, uh, it worked for her because, I mean, look. I'm joking, I'm joking. 
we met at a fraternity party and she was the designated driver. She doesn't, she never drank, never did any of that stuff. I was wasted at the fraternity party. She walked in, I said, I'm gonna marry that girl. I don't, I think I said it like that. I really said that. And uh, I wasn't thinking about marriage at the time because I wasn't a Christian, you know, just make up your own mind about that. But anyway, about our third date, and she was trying to get rid of me the whole time. Like, she's like, I don't wanna be with this guy. But I was persistent. Come on, guys, sometimes you gotta be persistent. Some, you know, I think now they call it stalking. But anyway, <laughs> I was persistent. I didn't give up. And so she said, hey, why don't you come pick me up at my job? And so I show up at her job. She worked at this restaurant called The Groaning Board. It was a steak restaurant. I'd never been there before. And the crazy thing, when I get there, she's, she's, she is arriving in a brand new Corvette with this guy who's like 55 years old. I'm like, what are you doing? But she gets out of the car and she's like, oh, he's just my friend, you know? And I think she was just kind of letting me know that, that, you know, I've got to be a little bit more persistent. And she had this cute little um, um, mini skirt on. It was a uh, denim mini skirt on and a red sweat. I remember it just like it was yesterday. She had a little gold necklace on it, a little blonde hair. Come on, somebody. Mm, she was hot. Of course, I wasn't a Christian, so just keep that in mind. And, and she took me into the restaurant. I had never been in a restaurant that was so dark in my life. I mean, this place was dark. The, I don't even know if they had lights. Now, I realized later the reason why it was so dark is they were trying to hide some stuff. That place was nasty. I mean, horrible. That's exactly what the devil wants to do in our lives. He wants to keep us in the dark. He's threatened by that light because what it'll do, it'll, it'll expose his tactics, his schemes, his manipulative ways. But just like he has a plan, God has a plan. He has an agenda. And since sin entered the world in the garden, God has been working from the beginning of time to insert his presence into our evil heart. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Genesis chapter six, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was, was consistently and totally evil. See, we have a bend towards darkness. Because of what sin did in the garden, all of us have a bend towards sin. We have a bend towards the negative. You have to work really hard to be positive. It's much easier to get negative than it is to be positive. And there's a reason. It's because of our unregenerate spirit. Matter of fact, God would often show us what it looked like through the Old Testament by putting his spirit on people so they could fulfill his mission. But because their hearts were unregenerate, he had to lift the spirit off of them. Because one day he knew that Jesus was gonna show up. He was gonna send his son at the right time, at the right moment, when our hearts would be ready and receptive, just like today. Some of you are sitting in this room, you're like, what am I doing here? I thought somebody said they were gonna take me to lunch. <laughs> Let me tell you something, we've been praying for you. Your family's been praying for you. Your grandma's been praying for you. People you don't even know have been praying for you. That right at the right moment that you would invite the Holy Spirit in, that you would invite God in, that God would reveal himself and that the scales of our eyes would come off and we would see, man, I've been living in darkness. 
I've been, I've been kind of groping around trying to figure out my purpose and who I am, and, and, and all this stuff has been piling on me. Jesus was that man. He was born of a, he was different than any man that had ever been born. He was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, fully God, yet fully man. As a baby, he was terrifying to darkness. And Jesus not only had light, listen, he was the light. Let me say it this way. He is the light. And his light is still available to us today. The manger marked the day darkness was threatened. If you're taking notes, this is the second thing I want you to hear. The cross marked the day darkness was exposed. For 33 and a half years, Jesus... We only have little bits and pieces of his story would declare, I got to do what what my dad sent me here to do. I got to fulfill this. Even at 12 years old, he says, I'm I'm here. I know, I know Joseph and Mary, you missed me, but I have to be about my father's business. Even in his early, early mindset, he knew one day he was going to have to sacrifice himself for mankind. And a few hours into the crucifixion, He had been brutally beaten. He had been, I mean, mocked and betrayed by his friends. Everybody left him. And he's crucified between two thieves. And about about 12 o'clock in the afternoon, Matthew 27, verse 45, it says, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At noon, listen, the time where the sun is at its peak. Darkness falls on the land. Isn't it interesting? If you remember when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, they had 10 plagues. Do you remember what the ninth plague was? Darkness over the whole land before the 10th plague, which was the death of the firstborn son. The Bible's awesome. All you gotta do is read it. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. On that day, the light was willing to lay his life down. Why? Why? Or better yet, who put him there? Who put him on the cross? Was it Judas? No, Judas didn't put him there. He betrayed him, yeah. If you remember the story, he got so convicted in his heart about betraying his best friend, his his closest friend, He took those 30 pieces of silver. He went back to the religious. He threw them down in front of him, in front of them, and and went and killed himself. He felt so bad about it. He didn't put Jesus on the cross, though. How about the religious, the Pharisees, the Sadducees? Did they put him on the cross? No. They followed him around all the time, mocked him, tried to trick him try to get him to say something that he shouldn't say so they could do something wrong to him or pull him out, but they didn't put him on the cross. How about Pilate? Did Pilate put him on the cross? No. Matter of fact, Pilate's wife, a smart lady, came to him. She had had a dream about this moment and said, hey, 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 sweetheart, you, you need to leave this guy alone. Like, I've had some crazy dreams and you just need to not be involved in this. And the Bible says that he went out in front of all the people and washed his hands of the situation. He was like, I don't want to be involved in this. It's up to you. And I don't know if you remember, but the people said, yeah, it is ours. It is our issue. And may his blood be on us and our children. They had no idea that they were actually speaking prophetically 
about the future. So who put them there? You and I did. You and I did. We put them there. Humanity put them there. Why? For fear. We were afraid. I think that same fear still exists today that existed on that day 2,000 years ago. What, what, what were they afraid of and what are we afraid of? There's no way that we could believe that God would do that for us. I mean, would he really send his son to die for me? Would, would, he, really, would he really do this for me? I mean, look at my life. Look at what I've done to him. Look how I've treated him and taken him for granted and, and done all these negative things. Why in the world would he come and save me? I'm afraid, like I'm in fear. So you know what I'm gonna do? Because I wanna stay like I am, I'm afraid that you know if, if I really make this decision that I'm gonna have to come out of the darkness, if my eyes are really opened, so they throw up on the cross, I'm gonna get rid of them. I, got, I gotta get rid of this because it makes me feel uncomfortable to think that somebody could love me that much, that somebody could care about me that much. Jesus which is amazing to think about. I mean, here he is on the cross. One of the last things that he says in Luke chapter 23, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, you can learn a lot by looking at what the Bible doesn't say. See, it doesn't say that he knew what they did because he did. See, I, I, you know, one of the things that I get, get to do or participate in, and I've been a Christian for over 30 years now, is I get to watch people come out of darkness. It's pretty amazing. And a lot of times they fight it because they're so afraid of what they're gonna have to let go of. I had a buddy of mine that used to come to church. Matter of fact, when he walked in the church, he goes, hey, the devil's come. He was, that's what he would say because he was so, I mean, just alcohol, girls, everything, just crazy. And I would talk to him about the Lord all the time, just encourage him about Jesus and about what God has for his life. And he, you could tell he was so afraid of what he was gonna have to give up. And I think a lot of us sit in this room today, we're so afraid that if I, if I truly give my life to Jesus, what am I gonna have to let go of? What am I gonna have to walk out of? Am I gonna have to stop sleeping with my girlfriend, stop sleeping with my boyfriend, and am I gonna have to do, stop doing this? And we think that that is so good when in reality, God has something so much better for us. And until you can see, until that light comes on and we invite that light in, you can't ever see. I was there 30 plus years ago. I remember being afraid when people would talk about Jesus and, and they would say things. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. You're invading my territory because I was uncomfortable. And really inside, I was saying, I don't know. I don't know if anybody can love me that way. I mean, there's no way that God could love me that way. In Hebrews chapter two, the Bible says, since the children, as he calls them, are people of flesh and blood, Jesus himself became like them, shared their human nature. He did this so that through his death, he might destroy the devil who has the power over death. 
Listen to me, because of the cross, darkness is now powerless against the light of the world. It is powerless against any type of, it is powerless against Jesus. In, in poker, they, they say when you go all in, you basically gotta get, you gotta show your hand. And that's exactly what the devil did that day, 2,000 years ago, is he played his best hand. Oh, I'm just gonna kill Jesus. What he didn't know, he was playing right into the hand of God. The third thing I want you to write down is the resurrection marked the day darkness was defeated, the death of darkness. First Corinthians chapter 15, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Romans 6 verse 23, because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm almost done. See, defeat brings the removal of fear. In other words, listen to me, listen to me. You do not have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to live in fear anymore. Truly, God has something better for you. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated darkness. Fear is like, I don't know if you remember in the late 80s and 90s, there was a fighter by the name of Mike Tyson. He was a bad dude. I remember when he used to walk in, he kept his hands like this. He would walk in the ring, and every fighter that he fought was afraid until... Buster Douglas knocked him out. From that point for, forward, because somebody had knocked him out, other fighters realized, well, if Buster can knock him out, I can knock him out too. Listen, fear has been knocked out. So you can knock it out in your life. You can get rid of it in your life. You can walk away from sin. You can walk away from that cycle because of what Jesus did. Darkness got knocked out that day when Jesus was raised from the dead. First John 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love. What kind of love? Perfect love. Now, I, I love my wife, but there's no way I can love her like Jesus loves her. There is no love that's more perfect and more mature and more full grown, more connecting and more, more loving. It's just even hard to put human words around the reality of how much God loves us and cares for us. And he wants to remove fear out of our life. I wanna read a story and then we'll close. An atheist professor once challenged his students with the question, did God create everything that exists? A student bravely replied, yes, he did. God created everything. Well, the atheist professor asked, uh, if God created everything, then God also created evil, since evil does exist. So according to the principle that our works define who we are, that would mean God is evil. The student became quiet, and the atheist professor boasted yet again at proving the Christian faith was a myth. A second student named Albert Einstein raised his hand and said, can I ask you a question, Mr. Professor? Of course, replied the professor. He stood up and asked, Professor, does cold exist? He said, what kind of question is this? Of course it exists. Have you ever been cold? Einstein replied, in fact, sir, cold does not exist. According to the law of physics, what, what we consider cold is in reality the absence of heat. Cold does not exist. We have just created a word to describe how we feel if we have no heat. He continued, Professor, does darkness exist? The professor responded, of course it does. Of course it does, Einstein replied. 
Once again, you are wrong, sir. I think this should happen in all of our colleges. Come on, somebody. Darkness does not exist either. Darkness is in reality the absence of light. Light we can study, but not darkness. A simple ray of light can break into the world of darkness and illuminate it. How can you know how dark a space is? You measure the amount of light present. Isn't that correct? Darkness is a term used by man to describe what happens when there is no light present. Finally, he asked the professor, sir, does evil exist? Uncertain, the atheist professor responded, of course, as I have already said, we see it every day. It's in the daily example of man's inhumanity to other men. It is in the multitude of crime and violence everywhere in the world. These manifestations are nothing else but evil. To this, Einstein replied, evil does not exist, sir. Does not exist unto itself. Evil is simply the absence of God. It is just the darkness, just like darkness and cold, a word that man has created to describe the absence of God. God did not create evil. Evil is not like faith or love that exists just as does light and heat. Evil is the result of what happens when a person does not have God's love present in his heart. Jesus said in verse, in chapter eight, John chapter eight, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Just like on that first day of creation, where darkness was present, the spirit of God was hovering. I believe that today. That just like on that first day, the spirit of God is in this room. I remember when I came into a church like this 30 years ago. I remember the hopelessness that I felt. I was an alcoholic. I was doing lots of drugs. I had no purpose. I got in fights. Man, I was a fighter. I liked to fight. I would get in fights every single weekend. Just, just for the heck of it, I just start up an argument with somebody. I think because I didn't like myself and I wanted to kind of beat myself up. It was hard. One day, right before I met that beautiful blonde, I was walking up the stairs about three o'clock in the morning and I turned the corner of my room. I was drunk. I don't even know how I got home. I turned around. I looked in this mirror that was next connected to this dresser and I saw myself looking back at me and I hated what I saw. What I didn't know is that at that moment, God had orchestrated little things to happen to put me in the right place at the right time that my heart would be ready to receive a God who loves me. I didn't even know what that felt like. My dad, you know, wasn't involved in my life. My mom did the best that she could, but I'd never truly felt a love that could change you, that could transform you. I think some of us in, the room, in this room are like that. I've never felt that before. 
See, right now, you're feeling something in your heart. And I learned this later, that that is the Spirit of God hovering over that dark place in your life. You know what he's waiting for? An invitation. So I want you to stand on your feet if you could. And we're gonna give him an opportunity today. We're gonna invite him. Because I know some of you are tired of living in darkness. You're tired of living in sin. You're tired of, you're tired of being tired. Feels hopeless. You're in a lot of pain. you're, You're like me 30 years ago. How could anybody love me? And I'm here to tell you, just this little kid from Richmond, that I know somebody. I know him very well. And he said those words to me 30 years ago. I love you just like you are. If you can, just grab the person's hand beside you. Just grab their hand. And if you're here today and you want to receive that love, whether it's the first time or the hundred and first time, let me tell you, I'm so proud of you for stepping foot in a church. I know some of you are in this room and man, church hurt you, people hurt you, leaders hurt you, but you're back. I'm so proud of you. Some of you, it's been so dark, so hopeless, so empty. And I'm telling you, if you'll just invite the perfect love of God, Jesus Christ, who died for your sins and was raised from the dead, if you'll invite him in today, I promise you, he'll deposit hope. He'll give you joy. He'll give you peace. He'll give you a plan. I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know what that is for you. I know it was for, what it was for me. So right where you are, if you'll just close your eyes and right where you are, if you say, that's me, Troy, that, that is me. I, I, I need a savior. I never even knew that I needed one, but right now I, I know that I need a savior. I need that love in my life. I need that hope in my life. I need that peace in my life, in my family, in my marriage. If that's you, and you say, you say, I, I want that. I want to invite Jesus. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want to do something really simple. This is your invitation. This is your step of faith. I just want you to squeeze the person's hand beside you. Just squeeze their hand. You ready? I know you can do it. Ready? One, two. Three, just squeeze that person's hand right beside you. Now, really quickly, if somebody squeezed your hand, you're gonna have to help them because that that was their step of faith. Now, you're gonna help them as the church kind of take that next step of faith. Would you just lift that hand up? If somebody squeezed your hand, just lift that hand up in the air right now. Lift it up high, lift it up high. Now, you're gonna have to help them. They're gonna argue with you and say, I don't wanna do this, but I want you to do it. I want you to drag them up here, but I want you to lead them right up to this front. I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to just to bring them right to this altar today because we're gonna pray for them. We're gonna love on them. Just get, just come out, come on right now. Get out of your seat, bring them right now. If they squeezed your hand, you just bring them right up here. And as they come, would you just clap for them? Would you just clap for them right now? Come on, clap for them. Just bring them. 
Come on, keep clapping, keep clapping. Just bring them, bring them all the way up to the front. Keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping. Keep clapping. So proud of you, so proud of you, so proud of you. So proud of you, man, so proud of you, so proud of you. Come on, keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping. Come on, they're still coming, just keep coming, keep coming. Come on, keep clapping, keep clapping. Let's celebrate with them, celebrate. So fired up for you. Now, I've said this before, but I wanna just help you understand why I did this, why I did it like this. Sometimes we, we wanna go back to the darkness. We don't wanna take that step. And the reason I had you squeeze the person's hand beside you and then bring you up here, because I, I want you to feel what it feels like to have somebody help you. Because that's what the church is. The church is a place, it's not perfect. Let me tell you, we're not a perfect place. But we are a place where sometimes we need someone to take us by the hand and lead us to God's love. We need somebody just to grab us and go, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you here. I'm gonna pick you up when you fall down. I'm gonna be there for you. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm, I'm gonna lead you in the right direction. That's what the church is. That's, that's the purpose of the church. I think it's fantastic just to, just to see the, the, your faces are lit up. It's amazing when we recognize, when we come out and we see the light. I'm gonna pray with you and then we're gonna have a time where we just worship together. I'm gonna ask you just to stay right where you are. I don't want you to go anywhere. I don't want you to leave. I just wanna stay right here because I want you to experience the presence of God like you never have before. And your heart is open. Your mind is, is ready and receptive. And so we're gonna pray a prayer. And church, would you join with them online if you took that step today? I, I want you to pray this out loud. Now, I believe the greatest faith you'll ever hear is faith that comes out of your own mouth. And so if you'll speak it loud enough so you can hear with your own ears, that faith, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is what sustains us, what keeps us in the light when we feel like going back to the darkness, when we feel like going back into a life of sin. Faith is what will pull us back out and go, yes, I can do it, I can make it. That's that faith. It's not willpower, it's faith. Because faith is God's way of you reaching into heaven and bringing what's necessary down to right where you are. That's what faith, faith is the currency between you and heaven, you and God. The Bible says he's pleased when we use faith. And so when you activate your, and the best way you activate it, with your mouth, what you say out of your mouth. That's why it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus died and was raised from the dead, you will be Saved, saved. It's the Greek word sozo. It means made whole, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Praying this prayer is not just about, you know, escaping hell. No, this is about God beginning the repair process on all of those broken emotions, all of that broken body, all of that hurt that you've lived in for so long that now you're breaking out of. 
So can we pray this prayer out loud, everybody together? Say this with me, especially those of y'all that answered this altar. Guys, say, Heavenly Father. Come on, say it like you believe it. Say, Heavenly Father. Say it one more time with authority. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today, I invite the Holy Spirit. Today, I invite Jesus to come and break me out of darkness. I will never go back to the darkness again. I am free. I am whole. I am saved. I am healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for being raised from the dead so I could start a new life that starts right now in Jesus' name. I just lift both hands to heaven all across this room. Holy Spirit, I ask you just to move supernaturally on every person. God, do something special in their life. Let this be a watershed moment, a moment we never forget, God. I know I'll never forget it. God, I pray that the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit would come and change lives. Make yourself real to every person right now. Let that love, that perfect love, pour over every person, washing away all the pain, all the heartache. God, I pray right now that you would deposit hope and peace and joy and love and purpose and mission. God, let our eyes be open today. That's his power right there. That's his power right there. That's his power right there. That's the power of God right there, setting you free. I break drug addiction off of people. I break alcoholism off of people. I break that spirit of divorce. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That's the power of God right there. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. One more time. Come on, let's give God a big hand clap. Come on, give him some big praise today. I'm so proud of you. Now, we're going to deliver it one more time. Can you join us? Can you join us? Yeah. Okay.
Respond this morning. He's calling. 